Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast. I'm your host, Owen Lou, speaking to you after the Toronto Raptors lose uh, 99 to 91 uh, against the Portland Trailblazers team on the second night of a back to back against a Blazers team that is without two starters, uh, against a Blazers team that is projected to have one of the worst records in the league. Um, and yeah, I mean, you could tell right away that this is not going to be a happy podcast. So just let's just sit in this for a second because honestly, the Raptors fell apart tonight. And it's just the first time all season. Obviously, it's only been four games. But the fact is that in the second week of the year, they fell apart tonight. And I'm not saying like fall apart like, oh, you know, they missed some shots and they were a little unlucky here or there or whatever. No, I'm talking about they fell apart as a team. They not play team basketball tonight. All that .5 basketball talk that Darko has been preaching since he got hired in the summertime, that he was preaching in summer league, that he was preaching before the season, that he preached on this show. I mean, all this stuff about we're going to touch the post, we're, you know, we're going to move the ball, we're going to get a lot of our scoring through movement rather than dribbling. I don't know. Listen, at this point, I'm not particularly interested in uh, how they get their offense uh, because for me, looking at this team, they had a real struggle scoring the ball the last few years, and maybe we should have expected this considering the personnel didn't change. I guess we just all bought into the idea they're going to play a different way and be more efficient. So much talk about selfishness, this and that, all that kind of stuff. Through four games, the Raptors haven't even cracked 100 points in regulation. They had actually 103 uh, against Chicago, but obviously that game that went to overtime, and that game was a disgrace in general uh, for the Raptors. So let's not count that as any sort of a win. Four games here, we do not get to 100 points. 100 points in the modern NBA. In, the, in today's game, you probably need to get to 110 for any chance to, to, to have a good feeling that you're going to win the game, more likely than not. The Raptors finished tonight with 91 points. A fairly healthy Raptors team. I mean, like, if you're going to tell me that Precious Achua or Christian Coloco was making any difference here in terms of the scoring, uh, then I don't know what to tell you. But the fact that we got 91 points against the Portland Trailblazers, like, it's absurd. And listen, credit to the Blazers, man. They played hard. I, I credit to them. You know, they played together. They played like, you know what? We have a chance here on the road. We can, you know, get a result here. And listen, as a, as, as a home team, you got to kill their confidence early. And I thought the Raptors came out to a good start. They played some really good defense. You know, Scotty robbing Shaden Sharp at half court and Pascal getting a couple touches. And it's like, okay, it's not going to be a repeat of last game where Pascal didn't touch the ball. But, I mean, midway through that first quarter, you see the bench come in, and you see that lead go. And that's every single game now. The bench comes in, and that lead drops. And I'm sorry, but that is on both the players themselves and also on the front office. How many years in a row have we failed to add to this bench, right? How many years in a row? Because look at what we're getting off the bench right now. We have taken a really productive player in Gary Trent Jr. We have brought him off the bench where historically he has struggled off the bench. Let's just look it up, okay? He was bad coming off the bench last season. He was bad coming off the bench uh, two years ago uh, as well. So when you're asking him to come off the bench, what are you expecting? Now, of course, you do expect better than a one for seven from the field in 19 minutes, but is this not a repeat of what we saw last year in March? And is this not a reason why, if you're going to keep Gary around, you need to play him with the starters because he knows how to play well with the starters. And when he comes off the bench, his, his skill set does not really adapt to that, right? But beyond that, Chris Boucher, backup center. Well, first off, Chris Boucher playing at center, it's a lot to ask him to rebound the ball all the time. And he did get seven rebounds in 17 minutes. But the amount of times that he couldn't really box out, the amount of times he couldn't really contain dribble penetration, 
the, the amount of times he wasn't there for that help, the amount of finishes that he f- failed around the basket, those are not surprises either. We've seen that time and time again. If we're going to play Chris as the lone big or even play him at five, you need to surround him with some other bigs. We've seen Precious come on, on the side of him. We've seen uh, Christian Coloco play alongside of him. Obviously today, you know, those guys weren't available, but come on. Like, come on, right? Like, do we have any size on the floor? The first quarter, the, uh, you know, Darko goes to his bench. He puts the skinniest lineup possible from the Raptors. Chris Boucher at center, Pascal at four, Grady, Gary, and Malachi. We're talking about a team full of 6'9 guys, but we're putting all our skinniest guys on the floor at once. No surprise that the Blazers get to the basket every single time, get to the offensive rebound. And listen, the offensive rebounds, things like this, like, that's, that's within your control. That really is within your control. Both as a coach, you can choose to play different personnel, but also as players themselves. Boxing out, that's number one. And every single game, when we're talking about the four games that we started this season, the bench comes in and they stop rebounding the ball. And I'm sorry, like, whatever that is, you have to fix it right away. That has to be, like, the number one thing that they got to figure out. Boxing out, right, against the Chicago game. They can't inbound the ball, right? They can't. They struggle with inbounding. They struggle with boxing out. They struggle with opening, making open threes, 4-29 today, right? They struggle with, what, moving the ball. And guess what? On top of all of that, they start falling apart because, to me, especially watching that third quarter. And listen, there were some positive moments. Scotty provided pretty much all those positive moments. When you watch back and look at the tape, it's guys deciding to go by themselves. They're going by themselves. And you knew from that point onwards, this game was not going anywhere. Because as soon as this team starts to play me ball, starts to play selfish ball, and I'm not calling Scotty selfish. I'm saying that he was the only one who tried to take it and run with it. But when they stop playing this .5 stuff and they stop going together as a team, they've fallen apart. What's Darko's message over and over again? we got to play together, right? After that win against Minnesota on opening night, we're all feeling great a week ago. We're sitting here grinning. We're like, okay, it's different. Darko with the vibes, all that kind of stuff. What's Darko's postgame message? Hey, you guys kind of didn't play great today, but we, we played you know, together. And that's the thing. we got to stick together, and that's how we get through this. Game four of the season, they did not play together. Set, uh, 19 assists in this game. You know, the only guy who actually organized the floor was Dennis Schroeder, who, you know, did his best at least, had eight assists. He continues to have a pretty decent job of organizing. But, you know, the guys who organized the, the, the floor, I mean, Jakob Pertl, looks like he's, like, just dying of exhaustion after 28 minutes. What, what's going on there? Like, is, is there an actual physical problem? Because we expect him to play like a top 10 center. In, tw- in 28 minutes, he can't, you know, even get up and down the floor anymore to the point where we're going to close the game with Gary Trent, who is one for seven. Right, that doesn't make any sense. We're talking about, um, oh, we're gonna we're gonna start to uh, you know share the ball more, right? Well, then why is OG and Anobi taking shots out of turn in the offense? Why is Pascal breaking the offense? Why is Scotty breaking the offense? That's all we're seeing. And meanwhile, off the bench, these guys aren't really getting any good looks, right? And so you're getting real issues up and down the roster. And by the fourth quarter, I mean, listen, the game was there for them. It's not like the Blazers are racing ahead. You know, like, you look at Scoot Henderson today, he couldn't knock down a wide-open three. Raptors were going under every screen. He couldn't knock those down. Shaden Sharp in his homecoming, you know, had a couple of nice moments, but honestly, like, a pretty poor game. 4-10 from the field in 38 minutes with four turnovers, you know. Um, you know, Jeremy Grant with a couple of timely buckets, but, like, you know, realistically, that you can live with that most times. Uh, it was actually Malcolm Brogdon, who was awesome off the bench, you know, closed the game out for them. But even still, 21 points on 21 shots is not a necessarily an excellent percentage, even though he got some important buckets. The game was right there for them. The Raptors were within two possessions, three possessions, and it was right there, and they just couldn't close the gap because they weren't making the right plays. And even when they did make the right plays, they weren't capitalizing. You know, down four, the Raptors get... Uh, OJ Anobi, a wide open corner three, which is his whole job, and he misses it. You know, we have, uh, you know, the, the Raptors r- racing up the floor, and, you know, they, they don't find the open man. Like, it's just over and over again. And it's, 
I'm sorry, but like I know it's just four games in. The frustration comes from the fact that we've seen this for multiple seasons, and we're supposed to fix this. The whole thing was we're supposed to fix this, and the fact that we're sitting here looking at the exact same issues with the exact same roster, like I don't understand how you could really look look the customer in the face and really say like, yeah, this is different. We're doing something different here, or progressing towards something. Not when you regress into old habits. You really don't see that because again, 19 assists as a group, and you could say, well, look, if they hit some threes, whatever. No, the ball movement was bad. Like, Pascal with three assists, OG with one, Scotty with two, you know, Yak with one. Those guys are all supposed to be, you know, I don't know, OG probably at one is not a surprise, but, like, Scotty should be at, like, five, six, seven assists easily. He had a triple-double earlier this uh, last week, right? Pascal, we've seen him regularly flirt with triple-doubles, right? Three assists. We've seen Yak, who was supposed to touch the ball in the post all the time in this .5 offense. I'm sorry, is Yak actually getting the ball in this .5 offense? Is he doing too much with it when he's in the .5 offense? Because to me, it looks a lot like last year, where Yak gets the ball when he's rolling to the basket with an opportunity to score and shoot those little floaters and layups. That's what happened with him and Dennis Schroeder. Other than that, there's no organizing with Yakup. There's no high lows with Yakup. Like, where, it, where did that go? Where did that go? And listen, I think for Coach Darko, you're going to come up against adversity. This is, you know, not the first time he's coached the team, although it's the first time he's coached an NBA team. But, like, when your team breaks out of these principles, what are you doing tomorrow practice? Are we going to get, like, just uh, lip service and then, you know, whatever? Or are we actually going to drill out all these mistakes? You can sit down and watch the film. The last couple days, you can, feel, you can make a Lord of the Rings-length movie on how many mistakes they make on both ends of the floor. And this is not to say that this team can't play together. But you got to correct these issues, right? The bench comes in, they got to box out. The starters, they got to continue to move the ball. When they have their, you know, lineups where it's not just the starters together, who is the organizing principal of that team, right? Are they going to play this .5 basketball where, you know what, when it's Pascal with bench, does it make sense to get the Pascal off the ball? A, Pascal's not a good shooter off the ball. He was 0 for 6 from 3 today, including a wild air ball at the end there, which I guess didn't really factor in. But still, that's not his strongest suit. Where his strongest suit is, against a team like the Blazers, you get him into the post, you know, draw a double team, and, you know, then he makes the decision from there. But that's not .5 basketball. But listen, you want to play .5 basketball, you want to get one win. Because we're getting .5 losses every single game playing the way that we're doing right now, just on the offensive principles alone. So uh, there's a lot of confusion to, to fix up here. Like, there is no excuse for losing to the Portland Trailblazers in any context. Either on the road, at home, off the back-to-back, off, you know, whatever, right? But the Raptors lost right now, and there's a lot to fix with this group. It's, it's, it's genuinely annoying seeing them come back to these same issues. And I think, look, the other thing, too, is defensively. I mean, I'm not expecting um, the Raptors to do much better than hold their opponents to, you know, 99 points like 99 is a manageable number defensively but when you watch this game today lots of breakdowns for the Raptors defensively you know like it was easy for Portland to run their offense especially in that third quarter 33 points I'm sorry this is a team where you know OJ Anobi suggests that he should be on this program suggests that he should be in contention for OG, defensive player of the year Scotty Barnes says to the press I, I want one of my goals is to be defensive player of the year you know you got uh, even Precious Achua who didn't play today but Precious is like yeah that could be a top five defender in his league Okay, so late in the game, when it's one-on-one, Malcolm Brogdon going up against O.J. Anobi, oh, that should be Defensive Player of the Year versus a 30-year vet. No, it's actually a 30-year vet driving right around him for a layup. And guess what? No togetherness because there's no help at the rim either. So, again, I have a lot of questions as to what exactly is going on here because you have to nip this in the bud right now, right? When When I ask coaches about accountability, this is what accountability looks like. You have to, in games like this, after games like this, a, are you pl- are being ac- held accountable to the principles that you are, are trying to play together as a team? And also, B, are you going to try to come back and change them as best as you can? 
Because if you don't, you're going to run into the same issues. And, like, you know, you could point fingers at one guy or another guy, but to me, together tonight, the Raptors did not play together. I would say from basically the end of the first six minutes onwards when the starters did decently, from that point onwards, they didn't play together. And, it, and it's a shame. It really is a shame because we have much more talent on paper than the Portland Trailblazers, but we don't have a better future than the Portland Trailblazers. In, five, in, in like two, three years, they're probably going to surpass us because they have young talent and they're ready to blossom and they're ready to grow. The Raptors don't even have that kind of, of players outside of Scotty and maybe Grady. I would say maybe Precious, but you know we haven't seen him got off to a sterling start either. Unfortunately, he retweaked his groin, so we'll see what the issues are there. But you look at the Raptors bench and, and some of the guys we're bringing in, like, no, they're not, they're not prospects. They're guys that need to, like, come in and play well right now. And, um, yeah, we are not seeing that. And we are not seeing the learning that is really taking place. And, honestly, I, I want to say that you got to go back to the, the drawing board after all this, but that's kind of what it feels like. So it's a disappointing loss. I'm a little surprised that the fans didn't boo them off the court. I'm not saying it's so severe that you need to, like, you know, you know, but, like, honestly, to a certain degree, they deserved it tonight. There's no reason why they should lose to the Portland Trailblazers in this context. And, you know, I think when I come back from this break, we'll go into a couple more of these details. Um, what I liked about some of their games, honestly, there was some decent things. But realistically, um, you know, there's a lot to fix. There is a lot to fix. And we're going to talk a lot more about their problems. But we're going to take a quick break. You've been listening to the Raptors Reaction Podcast on Sports 590 The Fan. Welcome back to the Raptors Reaction Podcast. I'm your host, Wim Lou. Continue to recap the Toronto Raptors' shameful 99-91 to loss to the Portland Trailblazers. Um, yeah, just collecting a couple of stats uh, during that break. This one comes from Kurthika. Raptors shoot 4 for 29 from 3. Good for their worst three-point percentage in a game since they shot 13% in 2017. It's their fewest made threes in a game since November of 2018. Um... A couple more stats here. This one from Blake Murphy, obviously, um, you know, co-host of the show. Raptors points per 100 in the half court so far this season. So before you listen to this, the, the context is league average for last season was 98.4 points per 100 possessions. Okay. Um, the Raptors in four games so far in the half court, 72.0, 74.7, 87.5, 75.0. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's nasty. And, and, you know, I, I actually really agree with this point from front of the program, Oren Weisfeld as well. You know, it's not necessarily that, um, you know, you got to overreact to this overall, but I don't really feel like they're making that progress, right? Their pace of play gets slower and slower. That's something that Darko pointed out. The execution in the half-court, the decision-making is bad. That's what Jakob Proto pointed out post-game. And, yes, we can look at the numbers overall, but these numbers aren't born out of – you know, an, an abstract, like this is not good process by the team. And I, I'm sorry, but like, you know, they just need to improve on that front. Like, are they continuing to buying into the system? I mean, you need to obviously keep continuing to buy in. I mean, it's only been four games. You're not going to throw it all out the window. And, you know, but at the same time, like, you know, how much more are you going to go through this growing pains? Because it's not going to get any easier. You're just about to play Milwaukee next. Right. And you, if you thought that teams are going under on Raptors, shooters and packing the paint i mean if deandre ayton can shut down the paint imagine what Giannis and brooke lopez can do against you and then the next game you're going second half of back-to-back in philadelphia you've already lost uh, to philadelphia here in, in toronto do you think it's going to get any better when you play them on the road it's tough and listen none of it gets better unless they continue to play together and i think that's the thing to me that's disappointing guys going by themselves and ultimately you know being frustrated and you know the rest of them just not really really clicking in 
I mean, look, listen, there were a couple of good things. If we want to look at it on that front, I mean, Pascal was much more aggressive with his offense. Um, did not necessarily lead to better results, but, I mean, at the same time, I think tonight, 0 of 6 from 3 is, is, is a bit of a, I mean, not a bit of a, but it's a pretty tough result. Um, I want to continue to see him take these threes, though, because of the fact that the Raptors just need somebody to space. Um, it, it's just like, you know, these nights will happen because he's not a consistent three-point shooter. Um, when he was in the paint, he looked great. He looked fine. He, he was able to do the spin move, a couple of mid-range shots. I mean, the mid-range shot is the most clear attempt that you, or the most clear sign that you can see that Pascal's calling his own number and that Pascal is sort of not just like, uh, not wouldn't say breaking the offense necessarily, but, you know, uh, that he's being as aggressive as he can. Those are shots that he's really good at. Those are shots that he really rehearses and practices. And when he gets into the game, those are the shots that he's most comfortable with. That and also, you know, the stuff around the basket. He's still leaving a couple finishes short here or there. Um, I think it's a little annoying sometimes watching him try to rush into shots with running off one leg rather than, you know, getting to the spot, gathering off of two, and then going up strong. Um, That's something that Scotty does a better job of, for example, when he goes to the basket. But, you know, Pascal was, you know, the Rap- easily the Raptors' second best player tonight. I'd say Scotty was also quite good. Um, you know, started getting more inefficient as the game went on. But at the start of the game, I thought, you know, he got into, you know, Shaden Sharp and stripped him a couple times and, um, you know, was energetic on that front, was pushing the pace. You know, again, like seeing him rebound has been great. I mean, the Raptors have just not rebounded the ball well. Uh, and that's been really frustrating. Like, this is a huge team. I don't know why they can't rebound the ball. Um but, yeah, I mean, 20 points for Scotty, 12 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 steals, a block, uh, 4 turnovers. Like some of those were un- unfortunate. Um, you know, there were a couple of, like, bad plays. But, ultimately, I-, I like his aggression. I continue to see him trying to take advantage of the defense. You're not going to see him stay as hot as he was in the mid-range. Like, I think he was, like, 4 of 8 uh, so far on the season or something like that. Like, obviously, he's not a 75% mid-range shooter. Uh, but at the same time, he's still looking for those shots occasionally. And again, you're going to have to live with that. That's the price of being aggressive is sometimes you get cut off and you guys still got to get a shot off and you go to that midi. Same thing with Pascal, although Pascal's more rehearsed with that. Um, but, you know, you're seeing Scotty attack and you're seeing him be aggressive. I'm not really seeing their minutes come down, which is another thing that, you know, Darko has talked about. Well, we want to play the 10-man rotation and we want to get everyone's minutes down. I mean, 37 for Scotty, 35 for Pascal, like, I mean, I suppose they're like about a minute down from last year, but yeah, it's still not great. OG's fitness, I'm not really sure, but I also think for me, just what's annoying is just judgment. It's not even just like he takes a bad shot out of turn here or there, because I would say that that that's the case for a lot of these guys. But like, it's like record stretch moments, and they're momentum killers. You know, like there will be plays where he's trying to attack one on one in the mid range and get caught off and have to swing it back out, or he takes a bad shot, like. That stuff just needs to be cut out. Like, he needs to be coming off of screens and shooting the ball or catching a shooting off someone else's driving kick or relocating and catching a shooting or running in the break and getting some dunks, you know, getting some seals, runouts, all that kind of stuff. You know, other than that, we've seen it for multiple seasons. When he tries to dribble, when he tries to operate a pick and roll, when he tries to attack, it, you know, doesn't doesn't really go anywhere. Also, at the same time, when you look at the second unit, I'm sorry, but... I, I don't even understand some of these uh, lineups where it's like okay we have like a couple starters with the with with the bench. There was one play today where it was OG and Scotty with the bench unit, and instead of OG and Scotty being prominently used in in that role, which they should be, uh, you have OG in one corner, Scotty in the other corner. They're not doing anything in those corners, and all of a sudden it's a three man game at the top with Malachi, Gary, and Boucher. I'm sorry, but that's not how that's supposed to go. Those other guys are supposed to feed off of those starters that come in. And it's not point five or whatever. That's just bad basketball, bad process. You know, so um, didn't really wasn't really impressed with what OG did. I mean, defensively, 
I, I don't even know. Like, it, it wasn't that impressive. Let's just say that, you know, like down the stretch there, I, w- I really would have expected a couple of stops against Brogdon, for example. And OG got, you know, got got by Brogdon a couple of times. Um, you know, Yak, I, I, I continue to just wonder what's, what's up with Yak. I, we do not have, we have not seen the best of him. You know, like even today with 14 and 10, I'm sorry, but he got thoroughly outplayed by DeAndre Aiden. DeAndre Aiden uh, had 10 shots. Most of those were like little jump hooks or whatever. Um, but 23 rebounds. You know, seven offensive, sixteen defensive. What's up with that, right? Like, I, you know, where are the box outs? Five defensive rebounds for Yaka Pertle. DeAndre Ayton with seven offensive rebounds by himself. I'm sorry, I expect more from that from that perspective. You know, I, I expect you know Yaka to be much more involved in the offense right now. There was so much, there was so much talk that we're going to use Yaka in the high post and we're going to sort of play through him as a hub. Honestly. Next time you watch the Raptors, which will probably be, you know, Raptors, uh, you know, uh, Bucks, count how many possessions in a row Jakob doesn't even get the ball when he's in the post. Count how many times in a row where Pascal has a man that's sealed and he doesn't get the ball in the post. Same thing with Scotty. Like, you know, the ball has to go there. If they're going to run this offense and they're going to run this system, you know, you need to actually do it. Otherwise, what are you even evaluating? You might lose. You might not score. Well, all of a sudden, I mean, how, what, how do you know how you even did if you didn't actually you know, do what you're supposed to be doing out there. Um, you know, so, uh, yeah, that, that's been a struggle. I mean, I think Dennis has played pretty well. I think today he definitely was less shot happy. I think there's still a couple of moments which uh, he stretches in for the layup where he's, like, trying to put up a little floater. Like, there's shots that he can get off, but they're difficult shots. Even the last shot he made in the game, which was a turnaround mid-range jumper, like, yeah, like, he can make that, but ultimately, like, these are tougher shots. I, I do sympathize with him, though. That paint is always clogged. There is not a time where Pascal, Scotty, uh, you know, uh, OG, Dennis, when these guys drive, there is there is always a big in the paint, and why not, right? Because you Jakoproto is not a guy who is going to space the floor for you, and Chris Boucher is not a player that you worry about necessarily at the basket or the three point line. If you can live with a late contest on both instances, right? So. You know, there's always uh, issues with spacing in the paint. And I, th- I think that's the thing that's, for me, you know, it's frustrating to watch it at times, right? Because it's just, um, that is a product of team construction. And it's been a product of team construction for the last couple of years now where, you know, the Raptors don't really prioritize that spacing. And even if they do, um, it's not really in a way that has allowed the lives of their start of the, the uh, you know, top players to be more aggressive on offense. So, um, you know, that's that's a struggle. But uh, listen, the, the bench is just a giant downer. Like, you have to figure out where you're getting off of this bench. I understand that you expect to have Precious available more. I expe- I understand that you expect to have Christian Coloco available more. I, I, I think this second unit is actually really crying out for a shot blocker um, like, like Christian, who I think was going to take the next step this year until, obviously, he's missed all, pretty much all of Summer League and uh, the season so far with just this mysterious respiratory issue. But, like... Okay, so you don't have him. So now you're getting out-rebounded. Now Chris is having to do that by himself. But where's the help from some of these guys? Like Jaden McDaniels, all right? He was brought in off the you know, uh, biannual exception. I thought he looked okay in preseason, had some decent games where it was like, okay, it was looking good. Jaden McDaniels hasn't made a shot in four games. He's 0 for 8 from the field, all of them threes. He's not contributing on the offensive glass. He's not really contributing on the defensive side of the floor. And Darko just keeps pulling him in and then taking him right back out. Right, to the point where five minutes, like, what, what's he supposed to do in five minutes? And second of all, even if he is getting more than five minutes, is he actually supposed to do something for Darko? Because we haven't seen that yet uh, so far. Um, we we have seen a lot of Malachi Flynn, and I know he, gets, he draws a huge amount of ire here. 
Um, I know at one point he was like a minus 14 in like nine minutes or something. Honestly, I think Malachi has actually, you know, been steadily better. I would say that uh, last game against Philly, he was okay. And today he was okay. You know, didn't make the open threes, which is, you know, a lot of his job. But, you know, was able to get downhill a couple of times. Um, but I think for me, the issue is either he's trying to run the offense too much or that he just is incapable of generating the offense. Because I still expect a backup guard to come in and give you some offense. You know, like, look at Malcolm Brogdon. I mean, this is a little unfair because that's six man of the year or whatever. But, like, this is exactly what you need, right? You got that punch off the bench. You can create. You can score. You can play off the ball. Uh, if he's hot, you roll with him. If he's not, you bench him. That's it. Right? It's, it's a, you know, standard kind of, like, role to play in the league. Malachi doesn't give you that playmaking punch, right? Oh, very occasionally... When the defense kind of makes a mistake, he can then be opportunistic to score. But you actually need that bench guard to actually create something for you, you know, like the way that Dennis is doing for the starting group. And we're not we're not seeing that at all from Malachi. Um, Gary, I'm sorry, but Gary just has not been effective off the bench. This is the third time he's been tried off the bench now, and each time it gets to a struggle like this. This reminds me so much of last year when it was like him and Will Barton off the bench, and neither of those guys were really doing anything with it. But, like, to me, Gary can be a very effective player for you, can be a very efficient player for you. But today he's one of seven from the field. Only got one three-pointer attempt, which is a real flag for me. Like, there's so many times where Gary is curling and trying to get downhill. That's not his strength of his game, right? Like, that's just not the strength of his game. It feels like he doesn't feel comfortable taking mid-range shots anymore, even though he was quite good at those. And he's trying to go to the basket every single time. Well, ex- except for the fact that, you know, every transition opportunity is an adventure for him. But, like, otherwise, he's not really a great finisher on the basket. It's not like he's going downhill and he's got all these reverse layups and left hand, right hand, floaters, all that kind of stuff. He's not like that kind of player. He's a catch-and-shoot player. So the fact that he only got one three is a, is a really, really bad sign for offensive um, execution for the whole team, but even just offensive process, period, in terms of his role. If the idea is to get Gary going downhill, A, that's not going to force enough defenses to try to rotate because he's not effective going downhill, but B, you're taking the ball out of his hands from the most efficient place, which is catch and shoots, you know, and, you know, uh, you can look at the tape and I'm sure that there are opportunities where he didn't space well enough and he didn't get an opportunity here, or maybe he could have just taken the shot rather than trying to drive it. But I don't know. It seems like he's trying to do something that isn't really going to maximize his game. And that's what it feels like for a lot of these guys. Gary for the season, by the way, is up to 15 for 46 from the field, 15 for 46 from the field. And the two-point range, he's been really struggling on that front. Uh, he is now up to 8 for 20, 8 for 26 from two-point range. We're talking about twos. I'm talking about a lot of layups, too. Now, of course, some of these things will rebound. Like, he's not going to be shooting, like, I don't know, uh, 35% from two. But, like, I, I, if they keep using him in this way, they're not really maximizing him. Honestly, the positive off the bench to me was Grady Dick. I know it's unfortunate he missed some threes, but I like the movement. He brings a ton of energy when he comes off the bench. And even though I think that opposing teams aren't necessarily always tracking him, he's finding opportunities to crash in for an offensive rebound. I think he's he consistently, you know, won some tap outs. He come in for a couple of steals. There's one play that I didn't even see that it was uh, recorded as anything in the box score. But Malcolm Brogdon, you know, was out on the break after the Raptors, you know, screwed up on offense in the fourth quarter, and Grady got back and actually broke up the play. Uh, and disrupted Brogdon's dribble and forced him to reset, even though Brogdon had a layup otherwise. Like, there are a couple of things that he's doing, and he's competing, and his, his IQ is there. Even today, in the end of the third quarter, he got inside for a driving layup, and he also, uh, you know, crashed in for a weak side rebound, uh, a putback. 
he even tried to dunk it at the buzzer, but he got blocked. But at least I appreciate the effort. Like, you know, that's something that he needs to bring, right? And so, you know, that's good. But at the same time, like, I can't believe that Grady, out of all the bench guys, comes in and actually plays with the most comfort and the most ability to read the game. The fact that he's played late in the fourth quarter, both the last two games, is a good sign for Grady, but it's a bad sign for the health of the team, which means that the rest of the guys aren't really knowing what their roles are. So, again, like, you can come into the season, and they'll obviously look great. The four you know, preseason games, I mean, take me back, it was great. Like, they were, you know, they're rolling. But you need to fix these things. And especially, it gets dangerous because it's a new coach in a new situation in a new season. And if you really got off to the year, where you, you've already lost two games you should have won, right? The Chicago game, you, you had that game in the bag, and you found four different ways to lose it. Um, and then you have this game, which as much as you can have a game gift-wrapped to you, we're talking about, Arguably the worst team in the league, short two starters on the second of a back-to-back on the road against you where you were rested and healthy. I mean, like, damn. Like, there are some real things to sort of uh, to iron out. And, you know, I think to me, though, the bigger theme is just togetherness, right? That's something I really liked hearing about from Darko in terms of his perspective. He wants this team to play together. That's the identity of the group. I mean, I'm sorry. You watch, you watch this game tonight? A lot of your turn, my turn, your turn, my turn. Are they running the offense? And honestly, when they run the offense, are they even coordinated to run the offense? There's multiple possessions, especially in the third quarter, when they try to run, quote-unquote, the offense. And, like, they don't even touch the paint for 20 seconds. I don't care how many dribble handoffs you run at the top of the floor or how much you t- throw the ball into the elbow with your back to the basket, never looking at the play. Like, that's not going to shift the defense, especially not when you don't have guys who can really shoot either. Like, it's one thing, I guess, if you run that and you have, like, amazing shooters, you might say, okay, you know what? Okay, we don't touch the paint, but depending on how we screen, we can get an open three. I mean, this is a team that went 429 for three as well. So lots of issues. I expect a very long practice from Darko tomorrow, and I expect, honestly, for the players themselves to really have an honest conversation and say to themselves, we do not want to repeat a last year. That's what everyone was talking about. We want to repeat a last year. We need to get better. Well, everyone was happy. Everyone was okay, but... How are the vibes right now, and how much are they sticking together? Because they need to make so many, so many improvements based on this performance to even have a chance of hanging with Milwaukee, to even have a chance of you know hanging with Philadelphia. And that's before they go on a road trip that's going to take them to you know uh, Dallas, and that's going to take them to San Antonio, and it's going to take them to Boston. I mean, I remember the last time we won in Boston. Remember last year when we went to Boston? All those games where it was like fifty to twenty-one at the end of the season, like. Like, you know, they have to fix up because, honestly, right now it's not looking great. They haven't maximized Pascal. They maximized Scotty, which is great. Uh, I don't feel like I've seen a maximized version of OG. I don't see, I've, I feel like I've seen a maximized version of Jakob. And I don't feel like I've seen anything that's been promising off the bench. So a lot to fix. But, you know, the nature of sports is that, you know, you get slapped in the face and you respond. Or at least I hope. That is the hope. But uh, we will see. So, anyway, to wrap up your three stars from tonight's performance, uh, your first star, I'm going to give that to... Scotty, I mean, 20 points, 12 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 steals, a block. 8 of 19 from the field. Didn't get as many jumpers to fall for him today, but I, I like that he continues to take those. Um, I mean, he called his number a couple of times. I don't, again, I don't mind if the stars break the offense. I think for me, it's, it's an issue when the secondary guys don't, A, run the offense in terms of the organization, or B, they're not willing to uh, continue playing within an offense versus, like, taking shots out of turn. That's what I don't like. But, yeah, I'll give Scotty the first star. I mean, I'll give Pascal the second star. Uh, 20.6 rebounds, 3 assists, a steal. I like his defense to start the game. As the, defense, as the game went on, you know, it was less and less noticeable. But, uh, you know, he was much more aggressive with the scoring today. Um, I, you know, the threes, man, I mean, like, I guess the lows just can't be this low. But, I mean, we just know he's not a natural three-point shooter. Not a 21 from the field, 6 rebounds, 3 assists, a steal. I mean, like, mm. 
Okay. And then your third star, I'm going to get to Dennis. Uh, 10 points, uh, 8 assists, a steal. I mean, definitely today wasn't looking to pass more than he was in previous games. Um, you know, thought defensively he was okay as well. I liked what he did going underneath a lot of Scoot Henderson plays. I mean, that's what he should be doing. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. Just just nothing across the board from the rest of the guys. Like, it's it's actually it's actually really appalling that we're already here. Um, and that's why I'm trying to flag this as a, as a turning point of, like, don't go down this road. Stay together. Keep playing. Um, make, obviously, adjustments as we go. But, like, continue to please, please, please play together. We do not want to see this team fall apart already. And then your Gerald Henderson award winner. I mean, it's probably got to go to Malcolm Brogdon. He was awesome. I think there's a real case for... Uh, a guy like, you know, Aiton as well. I think, um, you know, his rebounding was obviously huge, but Brogdon, you know, coming off that bench, did a lot of the fourth quarter scoring for Portland. So, yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. So please continue to rate, review, subscribe to the Raptor Show. And, um, yeah, you know, we will catch you tomorrow. We have an interview with Dennis. We'll talk to Dennis about some of these issues. Hopefully we can keep it a little bit lighter as well. But, uh, honestly, it's hard to find lightness in a loss like this.